Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Jefferson Morley. Morley is a veteran Washington journalist and editor of the JFK Facts website. He has published multiple books depicting the Kennedy assassination as it was seen by senior CIA officers at the time. His forthcoming book, Scorpion's Dance, The President, The Spymaster, and Watergate, recounts the treacherous relationship between President Richard Nixon and CIA director Richard Helms. Scorpion Stance will be published in June 2022 by St. Martin's Press, and you can buy Jefferson's books online at jeffersonmorleybooks.com. Let's hear what he has to say about the JFK assassination. Hi, Jefferson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. So you've been covering JFK and his assassination story for a a very long portion of your career. When did you become interested in it? And what drew you to further investigate it and write about it? Well, I should say that I actually have faint memories of it. I was in kindergarten when it happened. And all I remember is there were a lot of people sitting around the black and white TV in my house. So I have faint memory of that. I wasn't really interested. I got really interested in it after college in sort of a, this is weird, you know, this is a weird story, this JFK conspiracy thing. And I was, I was interested in a kind of American studies type way, the, the movies that, and fiction that emerged from the assassination, like Don DeLillo's book, Libra. Um, or movies like Taxi Driver, which have an assassination motif. It really wasn't until um, 1992 when Oliver Stone put out his movie that I got interested as a reporter. 
you know, before that, as a reporter, I read the books and I thought, I have nothing to add here. I mean, none of the books were particularly convincing to me. Um, I didn't have a theory. But when Oliver Stone's movie came out, Congress passed a law and said the government has to put its JFK records in public. And that was quite a thing because Stone pointed out in his movie and he scored big time with this point. You know, why were after 30 years after the assassination were most of the government records on the subject classified information unavailable to the general public, especially if it was true, as the official story says, that one man alone killed the president for no reason. If it was that simple, why keep everything secret? And so when I realized that there were new records coming in, that's when I got interested as a reporter, because I thought there's going to be new stuff here. Like, and I was in the news business, right? <laughs> so I wasn't looking to solve the Kennedy assassination. I was like, there's going to be some cool stories here. If you take CIA records from 30 years ago and you start looking at them, I guarantee you, you're going to get a cool story. And so that was my interest. And sure enough, there were lots of very interesting stories in there, which undermined the official theory of the assassination. So once I got going on that thread, you know, the story is still an open story and it, it continues to unfold. So. So let's go back a little bit and I'm asking you to do an impossible task, but could you give us a brief overview of who JFK was and how he became the United States 35th president? That's a very good question. JFK was the scion of an upwardly mobile Irish Catholic family from Boston. His father was a bit of a buccaneer, um, a bootlegger, alcohol distributor, Hollywood producer, political ambassador, very ambitious for his sons. And JFK was his son and became, was expected to run for Congress and the Senate, which he did. And the ambition was always that JFK would become president. They, they were aiming for that early on. JFK was a good looking guy. Politically, he was, he was a very cautious liberal. You know, he didn't take on Joe McCarthy in the 1950s, which was kind of the acid test for liberals. Would you stand up to this guy? Kennedy didn't do that. So he wasn't the most liberal guy. On the other hand, he wasn't he wasn't the most conservative either. He was very politically, very flexible. And so in 1960, he ran for president. Um, Dwight Eisenhower had been president for two terms, a kind of poor, you know, nice old general, very bland. And here comes Kennedy. He's a good looking guy. He's very smart. He's funny. He's got droll sense of humor. He's got his wife, Jackie Kennedy, a very chic, um, upper class, you know, refined, intelligent kind of jet setting lady. And they, they were the first politicians who liked, you know, were the equivalent of movie stars. So he combined these good looks. He was a good speaker, very analogous to Barack Obama in our time you know, had that kind of innate charisma, could speak to lots of people, politically flexible, you know, kind of liberal to be sure. Center left, I think, would be the way to describe Kennedy. He was running against Richard Nixon, the California congressman and senator, very anti-communist, very conservative in 1960. And Kennedy barely won the election, uh, a very narrow margin. Um, and uh, Nixon even contemplated calling for a recount, but decided not to do it. And so Kennedy became president in 1960, uh, November 1960, the youngest man ever elected president, 43 years old, came to office with high hopes. So that's the that's how JFK came to the presidency with this kind of unique and very modern political style. JFK inaugurated a new era in U.S. politics with his style, and it, it reverberates to this day. That's why people still remember him. 
So on November 21st, 1963, he's already into his presidency uh, for about uh, yes. over two years. Um, JFK flies to Texas for a two day, five city trip with his wife. What right. was the purpose of this trip? JFK was looking ahead to the 1964 election. Um, he was doing well in the polls and uh, was looking to secure his place. And Texas, then as now, was a key state. Kennedy's problem, the problem in Texas was the Texas Democratic Party, like the Democratic Party today, was divided into two strong factions. There was a progressive faction, which was working class, pro-union, very liberal. And there was a corporate faction dominated by big oil in favor of big business. So all these were all Democrats. So Kennedy was trying to get them all together. And so by going to Texas, he could have everybody unite around him and his vice president, Lyndon Johnson, who was from Texas. So this was a political trip to lay the groundwork for 1964, a show of democratic unity, liberals and conservatives within the party, everybody was getting behind JFK. And that was the purpose of the trip. And Dallas was the first, was the second stop on the trip. Can you walk us through the events that happen on the morning of November 22nd after JFK arrives in Dallas up until he's shot? So JFK and Jackie get off the plane at Dallas Love Field. There's a very friendly crowd waiting along the fences. Um, Kennedy, uh, who liked politicking in person, went over to the fence, started shaking hands, saying hi to people. And people were, you know, talking to him and shaking hands. Um, he did that for a while. And then they got into a uh, limousine and there was a motorcade of about 10 or 15 cars led by the president. And the plan was for them to go from Love Field through the heart of downtown Dallas um, along Main Street, the, the main the main street of, of Dallas, and then on to a luncheon where he was going to going to give a speech. So he gets into his car and they go and. The, the the reception is very friendly, which was which was a bit of a surprise because Dallas had a reputation, a deserved reputation as the most conservative city in the country. And Ad, UN Ambassador Adley Stevenson had gone there three weeks earlier, one of the prominent figures in the Kennedy administration, and had actually sort of been roughed up by a crowd that, you know, was offended by his liberal policy. So, mm. you know, it was it was there was a feeling that it was an insecure place. And there were several advisors who told Kennedy, don't go, don't go to Dallas because of security concerns. Kennedy went anyway. He was riding in an open air limousine down through the heart of, of Dallas, friendly crowd, no, no pickets, no protests or anything. And then at the end of Main Street, you come to a big plaza called Dealey Plaza. And it's kind of the Art Deco, sort of the entrance to the city, big park-like area with roads running through it. And so they take a right turn um, and then a left turn, and they're going down uh, Elm Street, and there's an entrance to the freeway, and they were going to get on the freeway and go to the next speaking engagement, to the luncheon engagement. It was about 1230. It was lunchtime. And so as they're going down Elm Street, gunfire rings out, and the president is struck in the back by a shot. Texas Governor John Connolly, who's sitting in front of him, is hit by a shot, um, a, a spectator down the road. Uh, is hit by a fragment of, of, of a bullet that, that ricochets off the sidewalk. And then finally, the president is struck in the head by a fatal gunshot. So the crowd panics. Everybody, nobody expected this. The presidential 
limousine takes off and goes to the closest hospital, Parkland Hospital. And there they take Texas Governor John Connolly out and they take President Kennedy, wounded but still alive, with his wife. And they take him into the hospital in trauma room one and they try and save his life. And they spend about half an hour trying to save his life. But he has suffered a massive blowout head wound in the back of his head. And there's no way he could have survived it. Um, and also a, a, a bullet wound in the back. And so at about one o'clock that day, President Kennedy is declared dead. So that's what happened on the morning of November 22nd. So key issues are where did that gunfire come from? Who was responsible for it? So we can talk about you know what the evidence says about that. But that's what happened that day. Yes. And let's talk about what the evidence says about that. At first, perhaps you could give us an overview of who Lee Harvey Oswald is um, and if authorities ever were able to speak to him or or get a motive out of him. So the president was uh, shot at 1230. About 90 minutes later, um, a man was arrested in a movie theater about a mile and a half away. And his name was Lee Harvey Oswald. And uh, he was taken to Dallas police and he was charged with shooting the president um, or he was accused of shooting the president. um, And and the authorities were seeking to uh, charge him. Um, He was questioned that day by Dallas police officers and uh, FBI agents. There was no tape recorder running. It was completely unprofessionally done. There were only notes taken. Um, Oswald was held the next day. he sought to get a lawyer. Um, Oswald was a 24-year-old ex-Marine. He was born in New Orleans. He had gone into the Marines as a right out, uh, never went to college, right straight out of high school. Um, he was a, kind of a self-taught autodidact, and he was leftist in his politics. And in 1959, he left the Marines, and he went and he moved to the Soviet Union out of sympathy for communism. Um, that made the news. Um, he was he, he was not an unknown quantity at that time. And in fact, we now know something that you know we, we didn't know for a long time, which was the CIA was watching Lee Harvey Oswald very closely huh. from that moment on, and they kept close track of him for the next four years, from November 1959 till November 1963. That's a very important thing to understand about Lee Harvey Oswald. This idea that you know, some guy came out of nowhere and killed the president. That's a lie. That's a lie that the government has perpetrated to protect the CIA. Um, I'm not offering a conspiracy theory. I'm just describing the facts. They really, they knew who this guy was and they, and they monitored him for the next four years. So um, Oswald was arrested that day. Um, he was brought out on the night of the 23rd to, to speak to reporters. And somebody said, why did you shoot the president? And Oswald said, I didn't shoot anybody. I'm just a patsy. And a patsy is a fall guy. It's somebody who's designed to take the blame for a crime of somebody else. So Mm. Oswald denied that he shot President Kennedy. And I think the evidence supports that. I think it's very unlikely that he fired the fatal shot. He might have fired a gun that day. He he had some knowledge of what was going on. But um, I doubt he fired the fatal shot. We can talk about, you know, about all that, but he himself denied it um, and said he didn't do it. So that raises the question, well, if he didn't do it, who did do it? Um, The next day, Oswald was being taken from the Dallas police to a more secure facility. People were worried about his safety. 
And on national TV, when he was brought out, a man stepped out of the crowd and shot Oswald. A second surreal twist. Yes. On, um, Very uh, confusing. <laughs> on national TV. It's like the first time a homicide was ever recorded on national TV, I think. And, you know, hundreds of millions of people saw it instantly. It was it was kind of the inauguration of our modern electronic, you know, connected world. Every like everybody in the world saw that within you know a day. And it was completely surreal. I mean, how, how did this fit in? How did this fit in? So we can talk about what happened behind the scenes in the government, which was, we are not going to investigate. We don't want to know what happened. We're going to put the lid on this thing. We're going to blame that dead guy, Oswald. And that's the end of it, folks. Nothing to see here. Please move on. That was the official story. This guy killed the president. They never had a motive. They never had a motive for why did, why did Oswald kill the president? Nobody could say. Nobody could say. There was no, he wasn't hostile to Kennedy. He was left wing in his politics, but he wasn't violent. He was, you know, he had problems in his marriage. He beat his wife. But, you know, it wasn't a, a slam dunk case against this guy, especially since he denied it and since he had been killed. I mean, that in itself was a piece of evidence that everybody had to grapple with. So President Johnson appoints something called the Warren Commission to investigate the shocking assassination of the president. Now, at that time, Killing the president was not a federal crime. So there was no federal crime to be prosecuted. Um, so um, people didn't trust the FBI because it was run by the reactionary J. Edgar Hoover, especially liberals did not trust the FBI to investigate Kennedy's murder. Hmm. So Johnson created this high level commission, impeccable men of impeccable reputation, headed by Chief Justice Earl Warren, probably the most prominent liberal figure in America at that time to you know, lay these rumors to rest. And the intention, President Johnson's intention and FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover's intention right from the start was to blame Oswald alone and to cut off all investigation into who he might have been working with, like some foreigners, domestically, whatever. They did not want an investigation. And so the Warren Commission conducts this very narrow investigation, which is designed to prove that Oswald alone killed the president. And they constructed this case and said, you know, this things happened this way. And so the Warren Commission report comes out in September of 1964 and says, yes, Oswald killed Kennedy for reasons known only to himself. And Ruby killed Oswald because, you know, he made Jackie Kennedy unhappy. You know, mm. that was sort of the issue. And so all the newspapers said, this is a fabulous investigation. You know, this terrible tragedy is put to rest. We want to understand that, you know. And people began to read this thing. And they look at the evidence and the Warren Commission put out 26 volumes of all the evidence, all the interviews, all the medical reports, everything that they had. People began reading the 26 volumes and saying, this story doesn't make any sense. OK, mm. it doesn't hang together. It doesn't explain what happened. You know, it doesn't explain the gunfire. It doesn't explain how the president came to kill. It doesn't explain how Oswald Nobody stopped him. Nobody ever interviewed him. You know, it didn't explain much. And so this is when people begin to say, no, Oswald didn't kill the president. And they began to come up with theories, other right. theories to explain what happened. So people have been theorizing about the, the, the Kennedy assassination ever since it happened. Let me point out a couple of things. First of all, some people say, well, you know, these conspiracy theorists have convinced Americans, you know, Oliver Stone have convinced Americans, you know, and all the evidence shows that Oswald killed Kennedy. 
Okay, it's, it's just not true. And one important thing to understand is before there were any conspiracy theorists, like a week after the assassination, they took polls of the country and said, you know, what, who do you think killed the president? What do you think happened? And right from the start, 60, 70% of the people said, you know, probably more than one person was involved. So this is at a time when the government is insisting that one guy, that one crazy guy, he did it, he did it alone. 70% of the people are saying, no, probably not. So a conspiratorial understanding of November 22nd did not originate with Oliver Stone. He was a freshman right. in college. <laughs> it, 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 it originated in the circumstances of the crime, which were very puzzling for several reasons. Okay, now let's let's look at some of those reasons. Let's go back to the the limousine going through Dealey Plaza uh-huh. at the moment the gunfire rings out. What do we know about that moment? Well, several people were taking pictures. One guy was taking a home movie. Um, there were hundreds of people present, so there was a lot of data about what happened. Well, about a third of the bystanders, um, probably fifty people who were eventually interviewed, said. Some of the gunfire came from in front of the limousine. And a lot of people said the gunfire came from behind the limousine. The story was that Oswald was up in the sixth floor of this office building and he Uh fired the fatal shots. All of the fatal shots came from behind. But a lot of people, including like Secret Service men and cops and bystanders, said shots also came from the front. Right. So if you're getting shot from two different directions, that's a conspiracy. That's, you know, prima facie. The official story was one guy up on the, in, the, in the building fired all the shots and, 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 and did that. Well, just the fact that so many people thought that gunfire had come from the front. And let me tell you a little story, because this will illustrate the point. Maybe you've heard this in, in talking about that, uh, the JFK assassination. People talk about the grassy knoll. Are you familiar with that phrase? No, please, please tell okay. us. Well, so so people people talk about the grassy knoll and they say, you know, the grassy knoll. Why do we use that term in, in term in terms of the Kennedy assassination? Well, one of the reporters who was in the motorcade that day, he was in the press car, a couple of cars behind the president. And when the gunfire rings out, Merriman Smith was a wire service reporter, 20 year veteran, very experienced guy. Uh, veteran of war. So he hears the shots and he realizes it's a gunshot. And so he grabs the phone in the, in, the, in the press car and he calls his office in New York before the, all the other reporters are fighting for the phone. He holds them off and he dictates the first story about Kennedy's assassination. And he says three shots were fired at the presidential motorcade in downtown Dallas today. And people started reading. So that goes to UPI in New York. They put it out on their wire and radio announcers and TV announcers start saying they inter- interrupt the show and say, you know, it starts to get out there. The, the limousine goes to the hospital. Part, Merriman Smith follows. They take Kennedy into trauma room one. They're trying to save his life, right? Merriman Smith starts interviewing Secret Service officers. And he's, you know, what happened? And so the Secret Service officers tell him, we thought it was automatic gunfire from this, from in front of the, from in front of the motorcade. And in, so in his first rewrite, about half an hour later, Merriman Smith dictates another story based on what he's heard from the Secret Service agents. And in that story, he says, the president was hit by automatic gunfire, which seemed to have come from the front, from a grassy knoll to which policemen rushed. And so he coined this phrase, the grassy knoll. And that Ah. became, people said, that's where another gunshot came from. 
the grassy knoll. And some people will tell you, and maybe you can have them on your show, and they'll say, oh, that's ridiculous. There was no gunshot from the grassy knoll. But I, and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to say, but Merriman Smith won a Pulitzer Prize for his reporting that day. He spoke to eyewitnesses on the scene, law enforcement officials trained in, you know, in, in establishing these things. So that was pretty well-founded fact that one of the gunshots came from in front of the president and the president was indeed hit by crossfire. So I think that's the most likely explanation of what happened, but that's the debate is where did the gunfire come from? Was there a shot from the grassy knoll? That's a key question in the whole JFK assassination debate. Was there a shot from the grassy knoll? Who was Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm curious to ask you who, why was the CIA, uh, watching Oswald, do do you think that perhaps the CIA, uh, wh- what would be the intention for the CIA to have the president assassinated? There were Kennedy's policies by uh-huh. 1963 had aroused intense, harsh, conservative backlash, akin to what Joe Biden faces today, akin to what Barack Obama faced, akin to what Bill Clinton faced. He was under harsh right-wing attack for being soft on communism. And he was especially hated in Miami, where he had passed up on the opportunity to overthrow the communist government of Fidel Castro, not once, but twice. First, with the Bay of Pigs invasion, which the CIA organized, and Kennedy did not support with, with US air support. And then during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, uh, when he resolved the crisis peacefully and negotiated with the Soviet Union to remove their missiles rather than to destroy them with a U.S. invasion, which was the unanimous recommendation of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So by 1963, Kennedy's liberal policies had thoroughly alienated the upper echelons of the CIA and the Pentagon. Mm. And what's more, he was popular. He, he wasn't paying a political price for not pursuing this anti-communist agenda. And Kennedy in 1963, in a famous speech at American University, articulated what he called the strategy for peace. And he was really trying to end the Cold War with, with, with the Soviet Union and speaking to Americans and saying, remember, those are just people over there. You know, we can't destroy each other in a nuclear war, you know. And he had come close to doing that, and he felt it very personally. So by 1963, the hatred of Kennedy is extreme in the upper ranks of the CIA and the Pentagon. Oliver Stone's movie is quite accurate on this score. Um, so there was a motive for killing Kennedy, which was there were people who thought his policies were very dangerous to the national security of the United States. And I don't posit that the... Um, the idea for the assassination originated in the upper ranks of the Pentagon and the CIA. Who did it? We don't know. But the idea, and I can explain how we know this, but the idea of assassinating Kennedy originated in the upper ranks of the Pentagon and the CIA, I believe. And I believe the evidence supports that. This is not a theory. This is a description of the evidence. Right. So we're ru- almost running out of time. I have two okay. questions I want to ask you. Uh, sure. First of all, are there any pieces of the puzzle that we haven't discussed yet that you think are important to understanding the story of the JFK assassination? Absolutely. Last month, President Joe Biden on Friday night, October 22nd, delayed the release of the last of the government's JFK assassination files. 
They were supposed to come out on October 26th. That didn't happen. Now it's supposed to happen on December 15th. There are some 15,000 documents, most of them from the CIA, some from the FBI, that still have secret passages in them. These are documents related to the president's assassination that have never been made public. The CIA just simply does not want to come clean on this. They do not want to practice full disclosure. This is the second time in four years they've delayed. So there is a lot out there that we need to know, you know that, that, and by law should be public. Whether we ever get to see it is another question. Finally, at the end of the yeah. day, I think you're going to have a strong opinion about this. If you had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the assassination of JFK. Who or what would that be? His enemies in the upper ranks of the National Security Agency of the United States. We don't know. We, we can't pinpoint who it was, but the, the preponderance of evidence points to um, some group in that in those echelons who opposed the president's policies and felt that they were dangerous to the United States and felt the only option they had was to kill him. Wow. Well, Jefferson, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a better understanding of this epic American story. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening. I, I find your approach very intelligent and I really appreciate it. You are looking at this with fresh eyes and that's what it needs. You know, people like me have been around for a long time. Take a look at it. I'm not I'm not trying to talk you into anything. Look at the, the look at the story. If you want to know more, you should go to a website called maryfarrell.org. And that's the largest collection of JFK records online, uh, far more than the National Archives. And it's a good place to introduce yourself to what exactly happened on November 22nd, 1963. Thank you. And please send me a link when, you're, when your show goes up. Absolutely, Jefferson. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. How about... I mean, so much information. How about that? Coming our (laughs) way so quickly. I I, I was trying to write things down, but I know you guys were taking notes. um, But I was just fascinated by, you know, the the journey that uh, our guest expert took us on. After we, you know, uh, stopped the interview, he said something that I I had to write, write down, which was, stay tuned, December 15th. More information is going to be coming out. And he says, the CIA has a big JFK problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we talked about this briefly yeah. on the original podcast about how they these documents have been pushed, these secret documents. But it is really like, man, way to draw out the saga. Like It does make it so uh, just... It doesn't help the like, conspiracy. Yeah. Like, if you're a conspiracy theorist, if that's where you fall, you think there's. It's like this is a great support for your arguments. Absolutely, that they won't release mm-hmm. all the information, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hidden documents. It's like America's big uh, escape room. <laughs> we got a bunch it's of like clues. We know. Yeah, like it's just common knowledge that like the president just when he comes into power, he just gets certain knowledge and secrets that we just don't we're not privy to because we're not the president. So right. of course you got to believe there's, you know, like imagine like I don't know. It's like in the world I could imagine I just want to become president not to like rule but just to like find out the secrets. <laughs> you know. <laughs> One and all the things, and then I'll resign. Th- that's not uh, you. I hope you never run for president. I won't, I'm I won't. I, this is already. Requ- I'm going to play this clip if you ever run for president. I, that's what I'll run on. Though I'll say, guys, I don't really want to rule. I'll just tell you what happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, you might have a winning campaign. Yeah, you there. might True. actually win. God, there are. Uh, yes, that is fascinating. You know, uh, what was I going to say? Something genius. Anyway, it's the tip of the iceberg, and then makes you wonder what else don't we know? And there's also, so much we don't know. Also, do we want to know? You know, part of me thinking about our podcast number one with just the regular podcast before the the aftermath uh-huh we we were very reluctant to go down the road of the conspiracy theories i think and just yeah. conspiracy mm-hmm. theories 
at large. But the way Jefferson put it was, hey, these aren't conspiracy theories. He's laying out facts. And, you know, he's somebody who's obviously well-versed in all of these documents and so forth. And um, for somebody who gets easily distracted like myself, you know, what do I know what to believe? I'm not going to do the research. (laughs) So I'm in the hands of of others to filter through the research for me. Right. How are you going to be influenced? It's like right. whoever's talking to is the one who's going to influence your belief on it because you don't <laughs> care enough to think for yourself. <laughs> Sad Chris, but true. <laughs> Chris doesn't care enough to think for himself. No, that's not true. I do some research. But I mean, you know, anyway, whatever. I can go down that road. But I am interested in what they're hiding and why they're hiding it. It's... I- yeah, big big question mark out there. I, I think it's so fascinating just to, you know, because obviously this happened before our time and you hear about it and it looms so large, but it's good to like be reminded whether you were alive or not, like what was going on. And I, I really appreciated Jefferson reiterating what was going on, you know, for him politically and how even though mm-hmm. he was doing like the peaceful thing. Uh, it was against everything that, that what he called the upper echelon in like the yeah. U.S. government wanted, and therefore he was really hated. But he was so popular, right? Right, with the people still. So yes. he's doing all these peaceful things, which is like right now you'd be like, yes, in 2021, I think people would be like, let's what's the peaceful resolution, not the like let's bomb and destroy and escalate. Right. Um, right. But then it was like, no, that's not what we want. You're not doing what we want. Right. And it, it, how you could create enemies within your own institution it's true and and the one of the phrases he said that stuck with me was something like there were no political repercussions to some of the choices he was making so it was almost like kennedy was sort of immune to these Mm. political sways and if he were to do something and he would still be sort of popular in certain ways he was very beloved and you can see the opposing you could see the opposing side being frustrated by that you know what i mean I like that he said he was kind of like he and Jackie O were like the first kind of quote movie star presidential couple. Mm-hmm. You could see how that, you know, they were young and like attractive. And I'm sure at that time in the nation too, such a, like we'd said a volatile decade, like, wow, what a refreshing new sight to see like a younger person ruling the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that just affected, I don't know. I mean, and also, you you know, it's, it's, it's the early 60s. Um, I, I, when does color start? Uh, you know, when, when does TV and mm, color start color, coming color. out? Or like or like movies and color, when do they start coming? I feel like it was like in the late 50s. Anyway, it's like all of a sudden we have, you know, beforehand, we how did people really hear the president? I mean, some right. perhaps they Radio. they might have seen. Yeah, it was all more of <laughs> voice acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, all of a sudden, the image starts to really matter, and people, I can see, I can understand how they would have been fascinated and 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 obsessed with with a good looking. A mm-hmm. couple running their country that they could actually see that really mattered at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's interesting that you know what he said about the foreshadowing of of Lee Harvey Oswald being shot live by Jack Ruby and how it was yes. kind of like the you know today we're so yeah. used to getting things instantly, but it was like the first time that millions of people who were just watching saw it and everyone knew about it immediately. Yeah, like that's a pheno- that's a phenomenon that wasn't typical of the day and how 
how I think he used the word surreal. That must yeah. have been for the entire nation. They'd be like, did that just happen? Like, is yes. the world falling apart? Like, our president just got killed. Now, the guy who killed the president that we're trying to figure out why he did is killed. Like, what's happening next? I know. Wow. It was the first, like, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah. Real time, you know, uh, it must have felt, I mean, I, I'm still shocked by the fact that there's so much footage of, of, disasters and tragedies mm, you know mm-hmm. and the, uh, i mean just the fact that we can see it is is wild yeah and it's um, hard for us to sort of like separate ourselves from that experience right. and so when you feel like you're a witness to something like a firsthand witness you feel like almost a responsibility or something so so i i that that was fascinating to me too yeah it was like the first recorded possibly the first recorded homicide and mm-hmm. like everyone saw it. So, I mean, what are we going to do here? What because are we going to do? I, 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 we haven't even talked about the anti-Castro Cubans in Miami, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, we, he talked about the CIA and some of the theories and, and some yeah. of the sort of reasons why they would um, not want Kennedy in there mm-hmm. and having th- ha- that having to do with their plans in Cuba and Kennedy being not so hot on them. So, so we touched on that a little bit, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how, wh- what we did was we put um, Oswald <laughs> in jail <laughs> yes. and we slapped uh, the this- inevitability of bad things happening. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just a, a really broad <laughs> I think that was concept that encapsulates <laughs> everything that the show is about. So here's what I'm thinking. You're, I think that you will all be upset. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think we should send TBD to the alarmist jail. What? TB because we don't because we're waiting until December fifteenth. Yes. <laughs> well, well, that's, well, but we okay. He did say that. Jefferson did say that he was familiar. I mean, he was an ex-Marine. He was familiar with guns, and I and he was one of. The, I don't think it's disputed that he was one of the shooters, right? Oswald, yes. Oswald, Oswald was, was he involved. Shot a gun, he said. He shot. So, yeah, like Jefferson I mean, downplayed whether, it a bit. Yeah. yeah, whether you want to believe he was the one who delivered the fatal blows, I guess it depends on who you are and how much knowledge and time you've spent looking to the subject, but. I think he was definitely involved in the assassination. I mean, <laughs> I mean oh it, this is this, this is, is what happens. All we have. It's <laughs> all we have. But I, I so, do feel like we were just saps, though, thinking about it. Like, well, in, of course in, like, we we're just, saps. We just ate up whatever the Warren report like spewed out there. We were like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. We're but, not totally, but no, no, no. I know what you mean, but I really, actually, I kind of want to. Um, co-sign this uh, TBD. Yeah, I, I feel like okay. I, I feel like we should come back to it. And for the mm. moment, I mean, let Lee Harvey Oswald off on bail. You know, uh, so he's been to jail, but we're well, yeah. letting him out until the trial continues. He's got to come back. He's got a court okay. date again. You know. So and, if that's the case, mm-hmm. are we still going to keep the inevit- inevitability of bad things happening with the big slap or? Or do you uh, want to change that as well? I think let's keep that. Okay. Let's keep that slapped. And perhaps we can, you know, ping uh, Jefferson uh, to come back and speak sure. to us after this uh, December 15th reveal, if it happens, you know? And so we have TBG in jail. TBD. We have TBD. <laughs> to and be we have Oswald on bail. <laughs> so we might need a new sound effect for bail. Oswald's out on bail. 
<laughs> we have jail, bail, and we, uh, the big slap remains. So it's another alarmist first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I'll ca- I'm just going to call it. Okay. Lee Harvey Oswald, you're out on bail. TBD to be determined. You're going to the alarmist jail right now. <laughs> Jeez, we're saving a, a bunk for you. We've we've got the we got your cell ready. Look, whoever you are, you know me. I, one of my biggest fears is being falsely imprisoned. Yeah. and you just you can't sleep if you can't sleep at night. If you know you you, you just gotta keep trying to get the right culprit in there. Man, if Oswald is. True, it was truly innocent, like he would be the ultimate patsy, right? Like, That's what he called him, yeah. That's what he said like, he was, yeah. Definition of <sighs> so very not, I don't feel satisfied. No, I don't think you ever feel satisfied with this subject, and maybe that's kind of like the, the magic of it is that we're never supposed to feel a hundred percent in the know, yeah. Mm. That, and honestly, that's good for alarm, our alarmist you know, tendencies, never feel satisfied. Always keep learning. Always mm, keep researching. Stay alert. Stay alert. <laughs> stay <laughs> alarmed. Stay alert. There you go. <laughs> Chris hates it. He just wants a good <laughs> night's sleep. <laughs> oh, believe me. I, this will not bother me as I'm laying my head on the pillow. <laughs> What's uh, funny is yes. we should do another episode and just have someone be like, yeah, it's like, it's totally Lee. And then we'll all just be like, you're right. Those conspiracy things are crazy. <laughs> Especially Chris. He'll <laughs> buy right into it. Well, you know, thanks to everyone. You know, write in. Let us know what you think. What what what, what do you think was going to happen? Are, are we going to be satisfied on December 15th? Or, you know, are, are we just going to have to keep put, put, pushing it down the line? We love the Alarmy. And please, 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 please remember to subscribe rate review our podcast it helps get ears on the show and we'll you know be able to continue to make more episodes tune in next week because we are going to be discussing the carrie and big wedding it's a sex in the city catastrophe Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.